Podcast. You're listening to Straight Out of Whack. Kobe Knox, the fail. Bella Earl, that's where she's special and one. Through his legs for Mike P. Oh my. Three for the lead. Got it. Lamar Wilkerson with 1.3 left to go. Here's your host, Kyle McDonald. And we're back on the Straight Out of Whack podcast for the first episode of the 2023-24 season. It's June the 9th, which means we are about six, five months from opening night. Um, we've got some uh, transfer portal news, some coaching news, a quick look at the WAC in 23-24, and a look at the NCAA women's basketball rule changes um, that were just released yesterday afternoon to go through. I think we... Chelsea, let's start with an early look at what the WAC will look like. There was a lot of transfer portal movement this offseason, as it seems like there is every year now. So let's take a look at the way to – let's take a look at who went where first. Let's start with GCU. Um, the Lopes, Molly Miller, had another excellent offseason in the portal, picking up Shea Fano from Utah Valley and Trinity San Antonio from uh, CBU. Aaliyah Collins did enter the portal, which – is a big loss for the Lopes. Although at this point, she has not found a new home. So maybe there's some hope that she returns to Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, that GCU roster, um, even without Aaliyah Collins, looks incredible. Um, I know when we heard Trinity San Antonio entered the portal, I had texted you and I was like, can you imagine if Molly got Trinity San Antonio? And here we are a few months later. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, And it's almost hard to believe how good of a recruiter Molly Miller is. Am I a little biased? Totally. But she just, like, the entire time that she's been at GCU, the pickups that she's gotten in the portal have been incredible. I mean, Olivia Lane panned out so well last year. Um, Evan Zars was a great pickup. Um, you know, she graduated around eligibility. but um, And she maintains Tierra Brown, Nadia Evans. Um, of course, she got Sydney Palma last year, who's staying on the roster. So there's just a ton of talent on that team. Shea Fano, as you mentioned, another great uh, whack transfer. So, you know, you just have to look at Molly Miller's recruiting and just be impressed. I mean, every single offseason, she makes her team a contender. And it's with that recruiting as well as some great freshman class as well. You know, one of the things we look at, though, is um, not only the players she gets, but the movement out of the program. What was it this year? I think it was six or seven, right, that left her entire class from last year. I think it might have been more than that, but maybe eight or nine. But, yeah, there was a lot of movement, which is also, yes, another thing to look at for sure. Um, I think her entire freshman class, apart from Asha Sraw, is gone. Um, or at least in the portal. So that is definitely concerning uh, as a GCU fan. Um, But when she can recover so well in the portal, as well as getting a few really promising looking freshmen, um, you know, if you can recover like that with the way the portal is now, it's hard to complain. I mean, some big losses, obviously. Um, Elena Harper being a really big freshman loss. She went over to go play with her sister, Caitlin, at Purdue. Uh, which will be fun to watch, but, um, you know, just all, losing all those freshmen, Layla McLeod to Denver um, and, you know, players like that, it's it's hard for a team to recover like that. But with the way that the portal is, that's something that coaches are just having to adjust to way more than any years prior because it's, it's almost like free agency every single season. Um, one of the other big um, movers in the WAC was um... – Lizzie Williamson going from defending champion Southern Utah to NC State. 
And I got to be honest with you, this one kind of took me by surprise. She had a really good year in the WAC last year. Was it just under eight points a game, 70 some odd blocks. But I got to admit when this one, when this one dropped, I was pretty shocked. Yeah. I mean, I would have expected um, not a lot of transfers out of Southern Utah just because they were so dominant. I mean, I feel like if I was in that program with fantastic coaching and, you know, obviously a lot of success on the court, I wouldn't want to leave personally. Um, but you know, if different opportunities arise, players feel like they would be better somewhere else than that happens again, it's that free agency, but I, I still think that they're a top three, four team in this conference, even with the, the way that the transfer portal has been. And I think that they're still going to be really solid, but obviously losing her is a huge, huge loss for that program. Yeah. Um, and we'll look at how we think the WAC will shake out and then, a little bit here. We'll finish the off-season transfer portal talk with uh, Jaden Brown moving from Utah Valley to Cedar City. That's a big loss for Dan Nielsen, um, and things were tough last year as they were, but losing her to an in-state rival, that's got to hurt for Dan Nielsen, but it's a bit pickup for Tracy Sanders, especially with the loss of Sharita Doherty as she ran out of eligibility. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what we talk, talk about with this portal is, I mean, when you're able to get players from the conference that you're in I mean I feel like that's pretty much the most reachable players you can get are the ones from just down the road a little bit and they're familiar with your program um and I think she's going to fit in really well there but as you mentioned that's a huge huge loss for Utah Valley um it's going to be interesting to see what that team looks like this year just because you know record wise they weren't great last year and I'm not sure how much different the story will be this year especially with such a top heavy WAC conference you know, Kaylee Bion is set to return for the Wolverines. She was playing some pretty good basketball down the stretch last year. So she, that young sophomore is going to be counted on in a big way this year for Utah Valley. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think they're one of those teams that could surprise us. I think they have a lot of potential, but on paper, they're definitely towards the bottom of the conference, which is unfortunate just because that that is a, a good program for basketball. I mean, the men's uh, team won the regular season. Uh, last year so you know obviously there's some great basketball being played in Utah just unfortunately the women's team just wasn't super solid they did have that overtime win over GCU last year Um, that was pretty much one of the highlights of their season Um, but yeah it will be interesting to see what their roster looks like now with some different leadership almost so let's go ahead and tackle the first question from that mailbag, which was the you know kind of way too early look at the whack and it seems like we're going to be it's I don't know about you, Chelsea, but I think this is going to be a pretty top-heavy league this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the top five, even six teams, you could say, are really solid. But I think really the competition is between the top three, which for me, I would say in no particular order because I feel like any of these teams could be like better than the others. I would say number one right now is probably GCU, um, but you could argue UTA with the way that they handled the transfer uh, portal as well. Um, you know, they got Talia Clark from Seattle. Um, they had that SFA transfer too. So, I mean, they're really, really solid. Um, and then also, like I said earlier, Southern Utah is going to be really good again. I mean, they kept most of their core together. They had a couple of significant losses, but I think those three teams are the ones that could do it, which I feel like we were kind of saying for UTA and GCU a year ago, and then UTA didn't have the season anyone expected from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think these are fantastic programs and it's going to be a really entertaining year 
between these top teams, but there could definitely be a team that we feel like is in the middle that could jump right back up because that's just the way this conference is. So let's work our way from the, the bottom to the top as we, you know, we uh, set our way too early. I think you and I are pr- pretty much in agreement on the bottom, the bottom about four or five, I think it was, right? Yes. Yeah. So the way, the way we saw it was Seattle at 11. Um, Chelsea, kind of go ahead and go through that because I can't remember the rest of it, but I remember Seattle at 11. Yeah, we had Seattle at 11, uh, Tarleton State at 10. Those are just two teams that didn't have great seasons last year also teams that are having some coaching changes so you really never know what's going to happen there also some significant roster movement as well then you've got uh, UTRGV at nine Utah Valley at eight and I think the most significant change here is we both have Stephen F Austin at seventh which is a huge drop for that program but I think you just have to do it yeah, let's talk about the Lady Jacks here for a minute. Um, Mark Kellogg obviously leaving for West Virginia. Takes along Jordan Harrison and uh, Zaya Nugent with him via the transfer portal. Um, Avery Brittingham goes to UTA, as you alluded to earlier. You wonder where the leadership is going to come from on that roster. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a completely different, um, pr- I mean, a completely different program and in, in the way that they play, a completely different system. Um, the roster is going to be super different. I mean, you've got your top three players now gone um and that's hard to recover from when all of your transfers are some of your best players they have really great depth and that's why their team has been so good over the last few years I mean let's not forget they won a championship two years ago with a fairly similar roster but the conference has changed so much and now they're losing their coach they're losing some of their best players so I mean I would love for them to surprise us because I said that about Southern Utah last year and they did end up surprising us. Um, But I'm just not sure. And I think the transfers they've gotten in haven't been as exciting as we would hope for them after those big losses. So I think they could definitely be one of those mid-tier teams I talked about that could move up, but not expecting them to. Sorry, Stephen F. Austin fans. Yeah, you you know, it's always hard to gauge the first recruiting class of a new head coach. And we do have a question about the Tarleton State class, which we will kind of dive into uh, later on. But yeah, the first couple of transfers that were announced from Stephen F. Austin, really not eye-pop, as eye-popping as you would expect. I mean, the biggest notable transfer, they did pick up a big from uh, Kansas State, but otherwise it's just so far a rather unimpressive class by Leonard Bishop in his first go-around. And I will, in his defense... He was a late hire. Right. And I think that that's definitely a big part of it. I think a lot of players that probably wanted to join Mark Kellogg's team um, were probably dissuaded just because he left. And I mean, you can't blame them there. Um, But you're right. He was a late hire. And so it's really hard to get transfers at that point just because it's so late in the game and a lot of the best players have already committed or already have an idea of where they're going to commit. Yeah, he was super disadvantaged. Um, I think he, he's done well with what he had and what like opportunities were out there. But like I said, I, I, I think Stephen F. Austin has a long road ahead of them and maybe they can get some interconference transfers next season. But for now, for this season, I'm not sure. I think they could be one of those teams that are at the bottom or they could be one of those teams that is towards the top. I mean, I, I 
I think they could surprise us. Yeah, the book, you know, it's obviously June the 9th, so the book isn't closed on the portal, but it is getting kind of late to make moves in there. And with some of these, uh, the summer recruiting windows opening up, I think coaches are probably, if you're a, you know, a Leonard Bishop at this point or the new coach at Furman that was just announced um, today, um, I know it doesn't affect the WAC, but you're probably going to rely a lot on your live recruiting as opposed to the portal. Yeah. And it's such a hard position to put coaches in. I mean, hired today in June, like that, that's probably one of the hardest situations to put a coach in uh, recruiting wise. Obviously um, when it comes to like professional basketball, we talk NBA or WNBA, you know, this recruiting isn't so much of a thing that they have to worry about, but at the collegiate level, again, with the way that the portal is, I mean, that's going to be the story of the off season every season, as long as the portal is this wide open is how well can you recruit? How well can you convince the top tier talent to leave their current school and come to you? And, you know, when you're a brand new coach, that's going to be something that you have less reasons to give these players to come to you because they don't know what that program is going to look like. All right, let's keep working our way up the board of what we think it'll look like. We were at number seven SFA, so let's go with uh, six. Six, I had CBU and so did you. So and- I'll, I'll take this one. Um, you know, Trinity San Antonio, obviously a big loss for Jared Olson and company. Grace Schmidt, Kinsley Barrington, Chloe Webb, Manny Calhoun all set to return for the Lancers. The question is, how do you replace Trinity San Antonio and the things she does for, did for that team last year? en route to a WAC tournament finals appearance and a WBI title. And I know they're devastated over there in Riverside to have lost her to the portal, especially now that they have to face her uh, now that she's in Phoenix. Um, And I know that because I've talked to coach um, when CBU was in town and he was so high on Trinity San Antonio. That was her first game back after injury when they were at GCU and she had very limited minutes and she still played really well. And she's just one of those players that I think you can stick her into any system and she's fantastic. So to lose her after she played so incredibly the last couple of years for CBU is huge. And as you mentioned, that's going to be the story for CBU is how do you fill that hole in your offense? But also she's a great defender. She was just an all around player for CBU, a big reason for a lot of their success. I mean, they're coming off of a WAC championship game appearance and now they've lost their star player. And, you know, they have a lot of great returners. Let's talk about Grace Schmidt for a second. I mean, she is fantastic. To have her back is huge for that program. Um, And so I think they could be really good. But as you mentioned, that's going to be the story is how do you replace Trinity San Antonio? Uh, Number five was, was it ACU? ACU, yeah. I think we both agreed on that. And this is an ACU team that could probably be better than number five. I mean, they've got a lot back too, but just losing Maddie Miller and Malia Langstaff to graduation, that really is going to hurt Julie Goodenough's cause for next year. Yeah, definitely. But I I said this a year ago, and I'm going to say it again. They're a team that has a lot of youth, a lot of potential. Um, And I think that they're a team that maybe even this season we could talk about contending. It's just going to depend on how they come out in the beginning of the season, what that chemistry is going to look like with those uh, new pieces and missing old pieces. Um, And I think... Um, I think they could be really, really good. Yeah, let's um, look at who, the, who she brings back. Bella Earl yeah. back for her junior campaign. Aspen Thornton of a really solid rookie campaign at the Division One level. I thought she was really impressive. Yeah, I was extremely impressed with that entire team. Um, I was lucky enough to comment on that Martin. game when they were at GCU. Um, and I was 
very impressed with the depth that that team had. Um, I think they gave GCU a little bit of a run for their money for a while in that game. And um, I think that they're a solid team, even with the missing pieces. Um, I think they're definitely a top five, if not top four team. Um, I, I think you could really argue either them or Utah Tech at that four and five spot. And we'll hit the uh, Trailblazers next, but for context, um, for those who might have forgotten what um, Miller and Langstaff combined for, it was 112 combined made three-pointers between the two of them, and I believe it was 25 points per game. That's a lot to be replacing. Yeah, I mean, you have to – again, that's another one of their teams that kind of has to change their system because they're losing those stars. And because it's to graduation, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, that's just something that comes with the territory of coaching at the collegiate level. Um and yeah, it's it's another one of those teams. It's going to be interesting. How do you fill those holes offensively? I mean, they're carrying a huge chunk, sometimes a quarter, sometimes a half of your points. And now you don't have that production. It, how do you change your system? And I think that'll be a really great uh, testament to uh, Coach Goodenough's coaching um, is how she adjusts for that. And I think she's a fantastic coach and she'll figure out a way to do it, which is why they're in our top five. Uh, Utah Tech comes in at number four on the way too early, 23-24. Really good year for J.D. Gustin and company. Um, WAC tournament quarterfinals appearance. Beat Utah Valley in a nail-biter. Lost to CBU in a nail-biter in Vegas. What were they, fifth in the regular season, if memory serves? Something like that. And again, a lot of the same pieces back. Brianna Gillen expected to return, who was a player of the year candidate a year ago. Um, Emily Isaacson, Amber Karchner, um, the the Warren twins who missed the year because of an injury, um, I believe are expected to be back. This is a Utah Tech team that could, you know, do some damage in the top to the top half of the league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were really, really good last year, and now they're coming back with virtually the same team. Um, you know, I, I think they're definitely someone that could give some of the top teams, GCU, UTA, uh, Southern Utah, whoever it may be, some run for their money. Um, I, I think I've always thought they were really good. Uh, last year, I wrote the article for the way too early player of the year uh, candidates or something like that. And I had Gillen up there and she ended up being great for that team. And, you know, so I'm always expecting great things uh, from Utah Tech and I'm expecting more of that this year. All right. Uh, number three was Southern Utah, I think we yes. said. Yep, Southern Utah. So we'll go back to um, what we talked about earlier, which was the losses that um, Tracy Sanders has taken this offseason with Lizzie Williamson going to NC State, Sharita Doherty running out of eligibility and graduating. But, you know, again, expect a really good year in Cedar City from the T-Birds. Tamekia Whitman back, Megan Jensen back, and she'll end up being the feature big again. For, actually for the first time in her career because she kind of sat b- behind Josie Williams when she was at Utah Valley. So it'll be interesting to see how Megan Jensen handles that feature big role. And then obviously the addition of Jaden Brown is going to bring a lot more firepower to that offense. Yeah, I think that was, I mean, we talked about it. That's a great pickup in the portal. I mean, you're losing some incredible play from Shreda Darty. I mean, she changed the entire landscape of the tournament uh, just this past season with that insane buzzer beater, um, you know, ESPN making buzzer beater. If she doesn't make that, New Mexico State moves on and Southern Utah, who was the favorite in everybody's eyes, would have been out. 
And now you're losing that player that carried you to that next game that led to them winning the entire thing. I mean, how do you replace that? But they maybe managed to. I mean, like you said, some great firepower coming into this roster. Um, and that's why they're still in our top three, for sure. I mean, they are an incredible team and they're definitely contending once again. When I did the my way too early rankings, I had a hard time picking one and two. I basically just said T1 because it's way too early to decide, you know, that question. And, but, you know, here we are in June and it's time to decide that the answer to that question. And I honestly, UTA and Grand Canyon, again, UTA is going to be at the top just because they do bring back the reigning player of the year and star Jacobs. And who would have said that with the uh, finish they had in the regular season, they were the sixth seed and lost in the WAC tournament first round, but Sharika, right. Um, couple of nice additions in the portal with Avery Brittingham to Leah Clark, like you alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. The addition of Clark to that roster really, to me, is big. Yes. They lost their top three-point shooter graduation, so she's going to fill a much-needed hole. Yeah, I'm so excited to watch that team. I think they're going to be so fun to watch, regardless of if they end up being super successful or not. I just think offensively, that team is probably going to be the best in the conference, and it might be by far. Um, and I think the only team that can really compete with that is GCU's defense because Molly Miller always has a defensive system and that's going to be probably the only way she can stop UTA because Talia Clark, Avery Brittingham, I mean, fantastic pickups in the portal. Um, I mean, she did a great job backing up finally uh, Star Jacobs because it, it kind of felt like she was on her own sometimes on that UTA team last year. And now she has some help. Um, and some great help at that, two of the best players in the conference, um, they're going to be an incredible team, 100%. And then, uh, Chelsea, you had GCU as your number one. WAC tournament semifinalists a year ago, some could have argued, gone to a postseason, one of the other postseason tournaments, the WBI or the WNIT as a second team. I, I don't know about you, but I was rather shocked that they were left out. I was as well, yeah, because they just had such a good regular season, and you know, they're kicked out of the tournament by Southern Utah. I mean, I think everyone was kind of expecting that. And because Southern Utah was just unbeatable after that New Mexico State game. Um, So, you know, how do you, how do you beat that? I mean, GCU couldn't have done a whole lot better than they did is my point. And I think they should have been in the postseason. And I think um, they're going to be really good this year. I mean, you brought, you bring back a lot of your core pieces Definitely some really big losses. Um, you talked about Olivia Collins. I think that's probably arguably the biggest loss for that team. Um, also, Elena Harper, who was on the up and up for sure. One of my favorite freshmen last year. Um, and But, you know, you keep some incredible talent as well. And you pick up some incredible talent as well. So I really think it's, it's like you said, neck and neck between UTA and VCU. Elena Harper to Purdue kind of intrigues me, and I, I, I'll be honest, I'll probably watch a lot more Big Ten than I usually would, just because of the, you know, that, you know, aspect of it, you know, her and Caitlin being on the same roster together. I honestly love it. I think that those two are going to be great if they're on the court at the same time together, too. I mean, you talk about chemistry when you have sisters on the team. GCU just pick up a couple of sisters as well. I think whenever you can have that, that just boosts your roster so much. Um, to have sisters that have played together their entire lives continue to do so at one of the highest levels. Um, and I think that'll be really fun to watch over there at Purdue for sure. Uh, but as a GCU fan and also someone who 
I was I would like to say is friends with Elena Harper but more so just acquaintances she's a great person and I'm gonna miss having her on campus and being on that team for sure so that kind of that's our way too early look at the WAC in 23-24 one of the other questions in the uh, mailbag was the Tarleton State recruiting class I believe it was Alan Esterling who asked about the class that Bill Brock is bringing into Stephenville um, Chelsea, I don't know if you've had a chance to kind of deep dive it. I I kind of did. So my take on it, I think he's done a pretty good job. Uh, there's some Division One experience in that class, a lot of junior college and high school experience, but it's junior college and high school experience that has proven to be successful. He brings his point guard over from his junior college stop, um, some decent size, and I think Tarleton – Honestly, just the reason we put them so low is just the the aspect of the unknown with the coaching change. And I, I don't know about you, Chelsea, but I'll be honest. I I felt like Misty Wilson did a really nice job in in the transition and felt like she deserved a chance to finish what she started. Yeah, I agree. I was equally shocked at that firing. I didn't agree with it at all. I think she's a great coach um, and I wish her luck to you know her future endeavors and it it sucks that she had to be kind of the scapegoat for a team that didn't perform very well last season but um I think uh they have their work cut out for them but I think that this recruiting class is a good start and I think their new coach is going to be really great um but just like you said you know we have them just so low because we don't know what they're going to look like I mean that's kind of what we said about Southern Utah last year and they shot up to one very quickly so you never really know in this conference. And for those of you, the Tarleton fans that are wondering, and WAC fans out there that are wondering, Misty Wilson did return as a head coach, but she did return to the Division II level at Colorado Springs. So um, we'll be obviously keeping an eye on her team out there too, just to see how she does at the Division II level, of a level at which she succeeded previously. And that Tarleton team also was pretty injured last year. If you look at the numbers of how many games missed, they pushed Southern Utah to overtime too in Stephenville as part of that, that weird Texas road trip that had the UTA game pushed back to, I want to say it was like a Monday afternoon. Yeah. Um, because of uh, snow and ice. But Alan, I think, I think we both agree. Bill Brock did a pretty nice job with his initial class. If this is the way it ends. Um, the question is, you know, can they make the gains necessary to, you know, finish towards the top half of the whack? And as it looks right now, Teresa De Silva is supposed to be back. She's not in the portal, according to any of the sites we look use for our portal information. So if he keeps her plus this class that he's got coming in, Tarleton will be a lot better than where we put them right now. It's just a matter of where. Yeah, they're one of those mystery teams that we've been talking about. I mean... We just have them at the bottom or towards the bottom, I should say, just because we don't really know what this roster looks like. And that's another thing with new coaching. I mean, a lot of the teams towards the bottom are teams with new coaches just because you don't know how they're going to fit into that program. And you don't know how their new system is going to look against these other teams that have had their coaches for a while. So you just never really know. And um, I I think that they have potential for sure. Um, I think in a few years they could be up there, but right now we just have to put them at the bottom just because we don't know. <laughs> we don't really know what's going on going on over there at Tarleton. All right. So also announced today were some of the new NCAA women's rule changes for the 23-24 season. 
with the last few minutes we have on this episode, we'll kind of quickly uh, deep dive those. Um, the first one was the narrowed restricted area. Um, Chelsea, your thoughts on that? Um, I think that's definitely going to change some of the post game. I mean, it has to. Um, I'm not sure how big of a difference it's going to be. Um, I think with blocking fouls and charges, that's probably going to be the main difference is just how 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 often those are called. Um, and I feel like there were a lot of charge calls last year for sure. Um, so maybe it'll it'll change just the approach to drawing charges and stuff like that. But I think overall, game-wise, it's probably not going to make too much of a difference. It probably won't be very noticeable. And then the other big one for me was the flop rule coming to the women's game. Um, I, I know that was something you had wanted to see. I was kind of indifferent. You know, I'm sick of flopping at every level. I'm so tired of watching it. It makes games so long. I mean, just stop. Come on, just play the game. And so I, I think that this is so necessary. They also added, you know, those texts going onto the team as opposed to the player. Um, I think that that's huge for this level of play because um, you're going to see that at the professional level. And um, yeah, I just think it's needed. Um, it'll definitely decrease the flops that we've seen and we saw a lot in the last couple of seasons. So I think this will uh, get players to hopefully stop or at least do it less. Um, it's just, it's an ugly part of the game and sometimes it's necessary, but it's not necessary to the extent that it was happening last year. And then the other bi big change was the in-game review of uh, video footage to the benches. I like this. I like this idea. Let's use all the technology we have at our disposal in 2023. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think um, if coaches have more info to be able to challenge plays and if refs can see the plays better, you know, all of that is so good for the game. That means the calls are going to get more accurate. The calls are going to get better. The calls are going to get reversed when they need to be and, you know, stand when they need to be. Um, because I know there was a lot of calls last year that I didn't agree with, but, you know, that's like that every season, but and at every level but you know maybe this season with some better technology we'll see um maybe some better calls and some more calls that are reversed that should be and then also that you know the teams being able to use the you know in-game technology to show hey you did this right let's get back to that when they you know they fall behind or something or you know showing hey this is how we attack this uh I'm all for making the game, you know, as high level as it can be. And th this is going to be a big change. Yeah, it's like the Microsoft tablets in the NFL. I mean, it, it's made such a difference in that game. And I think to have that at the collegiate level uh, for basketball is going to be a huge change. And you're right, it's going to help with coaching. It's going to be interesting to see how each coach decides to implement that. Um, just because there's so many different ways to use that, whether that's during the game, whether that's after the game. So um, yeah, we'll definitely see how much of a difference that makes. And I think it's going to be pretty huge. All right. And with that, we kind of conclude our, our our first episode of the 23-24 season on Straight Outta Whack. Stay tuned uh, to Whack Hoops Digest social media. We do have a special guest lined up for next week as we begin our deep dive into the 23-24 season. So stay tuned as, as we reveal that guest. And we'll uh, leave an opportunity for y'all to ask uh, questions on social media too um, that we'll use in the episode. For Chelsea Mendelson, I'm Daryl Trujillo. Um, enjoy your Friday afternoon, everybody, and uh, we'll see you around next week. Thanks for listening to the Straight Outta Whack podcast. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Whack Hoops Digest and Facebook under Whack Hoops Digest for all your Whack Hoops news and information.